So, have you heard of this board game called The Voting Game? No. All right. So, we had friends in town this past weekend, and we love to play this game with them. And it's like... Um, so, it's these different things, like most likely to... Uh, blank. Like, you fill... It comes with cards, and you fill in the blank. And then you're supposed to, like, assign each person in the group. So, for example... Um, one of the cards is most likely to drop a person in a f- trust fall because they think it's funny. <laughs> okay, I so like this game. So Jordan got that one uh-huh. unanimously. So, but what's funny is each group of people you play it with, it's totally it's different. totally different. Right. So with the four of these friends of mine, one of my friends. She always is like the wild and crazy one, but that's hilarious because she's not really. It's just with the four of us, of the four of us, right. that is her. And at the end, you just get to see all these different cards that people associate with you. So, I want to play this game. Okay, it's super fun. <laughs> we should play it as a staff. We should. Because it is hilarious. I'm so excited um, already. So, um, one of them is most likely to get their feelings hurt after playing this game. That's also fun. Me. Um, but... So this time I got most likely to be a local news anchor, which I was like, accurate, I'll Pretty take good. it. Yep. Um, one of them was most likely to be the prom date for the other guy. So it's two couples, mm-hmm. and it came up for the guy, and everybody voted for me because he is the kind of person I probably would have dated in high school. Like, we both are pretty quiet, pretty normal. Like So anyway, so that was really funny. But then when we played before, my girlfriend was like, it was supposed to be most likely to go with girlfriend to prom. And I also got that one because we totally would have gone together as girlfriends. So it's just really funny. Basically what I'm saying is I'm the perfect prom date. Um, I also got most likely to pee in the pool. Oh. Every time. Most not not uh, most likely to pee in the sink? <laughs> no, that would be you. Oh, right. <laughs> Welcome to episode 121 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. My name is Chris Jensen, and I'm back! And my name is Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. Kofifi. What, what is that? That's something the president tweeted at midnight last night. <laughs> C-O-V-F-E-F-E. All right. I wish somebody would take away his Twitter. Um, I'm so glad you're back. (laughs) Me too. I'm glad to be back. People are probably like, where is Chris? Why are these episodes so poorly edited? And when can we hear a male voice on this podcast? Well, anyway, I'm back. Also, Hunter, right? Hunter, I forgot. I think I just had pantsuit politics on the brain. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we recorded two episodes, one for them and one for us. And so... That's my most recent podcasting experience. I did have a weird, like, moment of existential panic when I saw, I think, you, Emily, and maybe The Bookshelf all posted a picture of you, Emily, and Hunter yes. for Love It or Loathe It. And yes. I was like, what if somebody's a new listener and doesn't know that that's not me? What if somebody <laughs> thinks Hunter is me? I'm oh, not Hunter. No. Hunter's not me. We'll take a selfie after we record this episode. Okay. It'll be great. We look like we're going to camp. We do. I do like your shirt. Thank you. It's new. Um, so. <laughs> so. So, so what did you read this month? So, I read a lot of books. Good. Um, yeah. May was busy. Mm-hmm. May, May, as we're recording this, is still not over. Yeah, today is May 31st. Is May the longest month ever? Mm, yeah. Do you think? 
Yes, but I think we think that for very different reasons. I just feel like, but but the reason I say it, like it was for me, but I also know like I have teachers in my life. I have moms in my life. Everybody says May is the longest. Why? Can we all just take the first week of June off? <laughs> yes. Like just to recuperate? That is what I want. It's just too many things. Who decided that May is when everything was going to happen? Benjamin Franklin, probably. Oh, Ben. I hate him. Um, I read a lot of books. Good. Some of them were good. <laughs> <laughs> End of episode. Great. Uh, you can find full episodes from... <laughs> I read two and a half and they were all good. Okay, that's good. I think the more you read... Yeah. Probably. Yeah, diminishing returns. Yeah. Um, so what was first? When You Find Out the World is Against You by Kelly Oxford. Okay, tell me about that one. I don't even remember you reading that one. Right, right. It's been a long time. I um, don't know. I'm telling you, May is some kind of weird time warp. Kelly Oxford is some kind of Twitter phenom. Like, okay. <laughs> she, I guess, is famous for being funny on Twitter, funny on the internet. Um, I don't follow her on Twitter, but I was familiar with her. Okay. So I saw that she wrote a memoir, and I thought, I'll try this. Um, it is... Funny, it is not Tina Fey well-written funny. Um, That's our (laughs) go-to. She is my go-to because I can't beat it. It's our benchmark for memoirs. I will say the Jesse Klein one, which we've talked about before, you'll grow out of it. That, to me, was comparable. Um, This just fell flat on the writing scale. Mm -hmm. Um, There were a couple of really funny essays. One about her first experience at summer camp, so that was funny and would be timely if you're taking a vacation Um, this summer. Okay, I also have this weird... So toward the end of the book, she talks about her husband and her children. Okay. And as I'm reading it, I think, oh, man, she and her husband are going to get a divorce, aren't they? Because <laughs> because the way she's writing, she moved here from Canada. Okay. And I'm under the impression she moved to L.A. from Canada for her job. Mm-hmm. So, like, uprooted the kids, uprooted the husband. But they all agreed to do it. But they all also, at least in this particular essay, sounded miserable. Mm-hmm. Like, they hated L.A. They missed Canada. The essay's funny. It's a big move. It's a huge move. And the essay is funny. Funny, but to me, I was reading, I was like, uh-oh, this is going to end poorly. Like, this isn't going to end well, because no one sounds like they really like L.A., but she likes her job. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, I Googled, and she and her husband, who'd been married a long time, got divorced, and I think that kind of ruined the book for me. Oh. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> no, but I but think I, I just felt like, oh, no. Like, I could see it happening, because I think she wrote the essay in real time. So she didn't write the essay after they were already divorced, she wrote the essay while it was happening, and as a reader, it's one of those almost like horror movie right. moments where you're like, "Stop! No, wait! Turn don't around. go in there! Don't go in there! <laughs> go don't back open to the Canada. door! America is a mess." Um, that's what I felt like saying the whole time. So she and her husband are now divorced, which took some of the humor out of the yeah. last couple of essays for okay. me, if that makes sense. Um, I feel that reading old David Sedaris stuff, too, when he talks about his sister. and yes. like, oh, you're saying bad things about your sister who died. Yes. But then he eventually addresses it later. Later, right. when you get to that, right. when he's writing about those right. things. And so she may have this fantastic follow-up essay collection right. all about, you know, life as a single mom or, like, struggling to still be friends with her ex. I don't know. Um, but the back half of this book felt very bittersweet to me because I just the whole time I was reading it thought, this isn't going to end well. Um, it's funny. I think it'd make an interesting book club book because I feel like you could um, a, really take apart a couple of the essays. She also started the um, – it was that tweet – I think I was literally just about to say tweet her around the world, and I apologize for that. <laughs> no, 
no, that was Kofi. Co- <laughs> um, this, what do you call it when there's like a tweet that takes the world by storm? Viral. Yes. Viral tweet. Okay, so she had this viral tweet about, um, I think she was trying to address when um, now President Trump was talking about kind of the sexual harassment example. Mm-hmm. She was the one who started tweeting, like, tell me your story about that. Okay, And yeah. I think it was the tweet, all women, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah yes, all about? women. I remember okay. that. Yeah, Okay, yeah. so that tweet started with her. Okay. Gosh, it took me a long time to get there, but... She has an essay in the book about that and about what it was like to watch a tweet go viral, but a tweet that was not funny. It was really powerful, right. and she kept getting all these responses. Right. So that is also really good. That's really essay. cool. Yeah. So that essay actually reminded me of Amy Schumer did an essay in her book about um, gun control and what mm-hmm, it was like mm-hmm. when her movie Trainwreck um, ex- was the sighting or the site of a of a the movie theater shooting. shooting. Yeah. So the to me, those two essays are comparable because gotcha. they approach things with humor, but they're also deeply serious. Um, so I think book clubs could have a really interesting discussion just about some of her different different essays. Wasn't my favorite collection, um, but I think worth worth trying a few of the essays. Okay. I think your next one you really did like, um, Option B by Sheryl Sandberg. This is getting all the press right now. Yeah. Um, it, it's been on NPR every day for the last month. Yeah. I won't waste anybody's time talking too much about it except to say I think the hype is real. Um, she co-wrote this book with Adam Grant, who is a psychologist, um, and she wrote the book after the death of her husband, who was, I believe, the CEO um, of SurveyMonkey. And oh, okay. Yeah, and I... I think I have said this before. I actually really loved um, Lean In. I know not everybody did, and it certainly had its flaws, but I really loved that book, and it made an impact on me. And one of the impacts it made was I really thought her marriage sounded like something special. And in case my description of the Kelly Oxford essays didn't indicate, I really like to see successful marriages and happy, healthy marriages um, because I would like that. (laughs) And so... It was nice to just read about a couple that really supported and loved each other. And so when I heard her husband pass away a couple years ago, I was heartbroken for right. her. Um, and this book is all about that experience, but it also is a lot of scientific research about resilience and about overcoming tragedy, whatever that might look like, whether that's a death or um, a loss of job, um, just any kind of major major occurrence in your life. Um, I love this book. I think it's worth all the hype. I heard her interviewed by Katie Couric. If you listen to Katie Couric's podcast, um, that's actually a really great episode. It's a really fantastic interview. Even Jordan Jones uh, teared up a little bit, I think, while listening to the interview. So um, Katie Couric interviewed Cheryl Sandberg on her podcast, and I would highly recommend that. And this is a fantastic book. Even if you have not experienced a ton of grief, I think it's just good I think option B will do for resilience and that terminology, what Brene Brown has done with vulnerability. Right. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of books out about this concept of resilience and moving forward. And the book was really, really powerful. Sheryl Sandberg can write. Um, Uh, So anyway, it's fantastic. I highly recommend it. Let my voice join the voices of the masses. Shouting as a multitude. Yes. Um, this next one, I think we've sold a lot of. 
Um, we have inspired a bunch of other people to read it. My mom is currently reading this one. I'm so happy. I know, right? Um, Rabbit Cake. Rabbit Cake by Annie Hartnett. I listened to this one because of the Stitches and Stories book club that we do Mm -hmm. in partnership with Fuzzy Goat. And... By the way, that's just a fantastic. If you can get together it with friends so and like knit while listening to an audiobook, I highly recommend it. I would never have picked up Rabbit Cake otherwise. I think it's got a cool cover. I had seen it, but I just for whatever reason had no intention of reading it. Didn't really know what it was about. Um, so let me educate you so you don't make the same mistake I did. Um, Rabbit Cake is about. It is narrated by an eleven-year-old girl named Elvis. Elvis Babbitt. They live in or around Auburn, Alabama. And so this feels like a deeply Southern book to me, even though it doesn't scream Southern literature Mm -hmm. on the cover or anything. Um, But her narration sounds so much like the spunky kind of voice of Scout Finch. Like, you know, obviously Scout Finch is high praise, but I really do think Elvis is this incredible protagonist. And I love the voice of the narrator um, on the audiobook version. But she and her sister have just lost their mother. Um, Their mother has died, and it clearly was a suicide, and yet Elvis is 11, and really they couldn't have been a suicide. So you kind of get Elvis's, yeah, you get Elvis's kind of perspective of, oh, her mom was a sleepwalker and just walked into that pond, um, which is true, and sleepwalking plays this really funny, um, darkly funny element in the book. Um, Elvis also loves animals, so there's a lot about animals. Her sister is competing to make the most rabbit cakes. I would like to clarify and say that rabbit cakes are not made of rabbit. Um, they are shaped Shaped like like rabbits. rabbits. Um, I was very confused for a large (laughs) portion of the book. So she's like, it's just all these really quirky elements coming together. The father is this professor. And so you get kind of a glimpse at at him trying to date the book follows Elvis through the months of the grieving process because she's going to see a child therapist or counselor who's helping her through the grieving process. And you can just see Elvis has like this calendar that she's marking off the months of just making sure she's grieving appropriately. And then the sister is doing this Guinness book of world records thing. Um, but also clearly struggling and it is darkly funny. I will say one of our customers did not like this book. So kept listening because she was hooked after the audiobook club but then did not really think it was funny so I do think you have to have a certain sense of humor Mm -hmm. to like and appreciate this book I happen to have that sense of humor I thought this book was laugh out loud funny but also it is very it's deeply sad it's really a book about grief which apparently you and I are drawn to apparently even Jordan the other day was like Annie please describe to me Please describe to me a book that is not about death that you're reading right now. Um, and Why? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it is dark, but it is so funny and so well written. And Annie Hartnett is a former bookseller, so I kind of feel oh, a kinship that's there great. too. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, I think that is the last one I'm going to do for the summer before I dive into all my work work. You would like it, I think. Yeah. So, um, so that's, that's next on my list. Yeah. Um, okay. Next one is The Assistance by Camille Perry. So I read The Assistance finally. I had gotten it as an ARC like a year ago. It just released in paperback. Good news <laughs> is it really lends itself to paperback even better than hardback. I thought the hardback cover was excellent. But mm. um, but the paperback would be perfect to throw in your beach bag. It's a light, fun read, kind of in line with like Confessions of a Shopaholic or something like that. But the premise is pretty original. Um, this young woman is working as an assistant for a 
I'm going to say kind of sort of Fox News Mm -hmm. media mogul kind of kind of guy. Um, And it's clearly like a boys club and all the assistants are women kind of thing. Um, But they're these highly educated women who are working these jobs where they're not paid a ton and they all have a ton of student loans. Mm. And so they realize because they're assistants, they can kind of adjust their like... um, reimbursement forms to reimburse them for more than they really Uh took out. And they then use that money to pay off their student loans. (laughs) (laughs) It's Robin Hood. Yes. So the premise (laughs) is super original. Um, I think this one got kind of mixed reviews. I heard a lot of positives from fellow booksellers, and then some customers just thought it was fine. I really liked it because the plot was super original. Um, I think I compared another book. I think it was called Opening Bell. This reminded me of Opening Bell. It's got little elements of, like, the big short because you've got kind of this big um, conglomeration that these women, it's almost like, I don't know, feminine feminist fight club like I don't really it's just because you've got these women all kind of working together to pay off student loans uh-huh. and then in the backdrop to like cover it up they're starting a nonprofit to help people pay off their student loans it's it's hilarious to me and timely and very timely and it made me think to myself wait forget the illegal aspects of it but why isn't somebody starting a nonprofit where people who make a ton of money could just choose these applicants to apply. Mm-hmm. Like maybe you're a teacher and you want to apply to get your student loans paid for by a, like instead of by the government, by somebody, I don't know, this is me. Like I read this book and I was like, wait a minute, we've got to, there's something here. Yeah, I'm sitting here like, yes, I am listening. <laughs> yes. But like, you know, somebody who would want to pay off right. more loans no, because you're smart and you're doing, a, you're doing great work. You're not lazy. Like that would be great. Right. Somebody should do that. <laughs> right. So I think somebody should read this book. <laughs> like some media mogul should read this book and be like, I want to do this. Dave Patterson, you out there? <laughs> Are you listening? Are you listening? <laughs> so the assistance, it's super fun. I, I think it's it would make a great um, beach book. And if you're drowning in student loans, you'll find kindred spirits in this narrative. That sounds great. Yeah. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm happy to start selling that one. Yeah. Um, this one I, I asked you to read. Yes. I challenged you to read. You did. In April. It's the first volume of Miss Marvel by G. Willow Wilson. I would like to just say that I do whatever you ask me to do. <laughs> Let the record show. I read what you tell me to read. Except I for, was it from the Goon Squad? But it's sitting on my nightstand, mm-hmm. so it's there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just haven't done it yet, but I feel like I do what you ask me to do. Meanwhile, Most of the time, yeah. Meanwhile, it took you months to watch the great British baking show. Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless, I picked up Miss Marvel because you challenged me, and anyone who knows me knows, please do not tell me what I cannot do. Um, I will then do it. Mm-hmm. So you challenged me, and that's exactly the way to get me to do something. Um, I loved it. It's so good. It's so good. And I was a little concerned I wouldn't like I wouldn't like the genre, like <clears throat> but I think Because this is a superhero comic. Right, it's a superhero comic, but I really am glad that I had already read some graphic memoirs mm-hmm. to like prep me for just the format. Right, to just know how to read it. Right, because yeah. the format is so different. But I will say I totally understand now why so often for a buffer you read a lot of comic books mm-hmm. because I think I finished this in like 30 minutes yep. or something like that but it felt like I had accomplished something so it <laughs> it goes to my like type A tendencies but it also the the heroine is somebody to truly root for yeah. and um I see a lot of superhero movies and this actually got me excited 
because you see, I guess, like, for example, one of my favorite superheroes is Spider-Man. And, like, you get to see, like, them as a nobody. Right. And, like, I love how they empower these nobody mm-hmm. people to become these really superhero figures. And then she is fantastic because she's this Muslim immigrant. So you've got, like, that with her dad, like, her relationship with her right, parents. Right. Um, and then her, ident- like, trying to figure out how she wants to identify herself. So you've got all of that going on, but she's also a superhero. Oh, Kamala is just a perfect character. Um, I read everything that she's in. I've been reading her book since the beginning, and I, I have her latest issue right over there that I have not read yet. But she's just... She's so great because she's not perfect. Yeah. She's flawed. She's 16 years old, and yeah. she makes dumb mistakes because she's young. But that's what I like. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I thought, I guess, so I forget about the comic book genre, and I forget how helpful it would be for a reluctant reader. Right. Or there, I mean, I think there's been a, a resurgence or whatever recently of, like, great female protagonists. Yeah for young women, but I feel like it's taken a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think this particular character really fills some of that void. For sure. Um, like, I just know, I'm just thinking of our customer, Phoebe. Like, mm-hmm. I just feel like, oh my gosh, she would love Ms. Marvel. Yeah. Like, um, and now, I mean, so I get a little confused about the comic book worlds because Brie oh, Larson yeah. is going to be in Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. Yeah. And this is Ms. Marvel. Marvel. And Carol Danvers, who Brie Larson is playing, used to be called Miss Marvel. Right. And now she's Captain Marvel, and Kamala is Miss Marvel. Okay. Well, I cannot wait for Miss Marvel to be a movie. Like, and I hope that'll happen. I hope so, too, because she's a really great character. She's an excellent character. And, gosh. Uh, anyway, thank you. Yeah. Um, because I'm really glad I read it, and I didn't think I would be. I did it because you issued it as a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm so glad I did. So, thank you. And there's some more, and you can borrow volume two if you want. Yes, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, the one thing that I worry about that is, like, how do I convince especially parents Mm -hmm. because you talk about this as being like an in for reluctant readers and I totally agree but how do I convince parents that like this genre can be literary right and good well I think that's our job I know like so but now you've got me on board so now I can help you so we're gonna brainstorm that yeah because you're right I think a lot of parents might see that as oh that's not a real book or something like that but I do think things like Diary of a Wimpy Kid mm-hmm. and The Dork Diaries kind of have helped that. Yeah. Because it's shown. I mean, we have avid readers now who were made avid readers because, because of Captain of, Underpants, yep, because yep, of yep, Diary yep. of a Wimpy Kid. And those seem silly. And it takes some parents convincing that Captain Underpants is worth their children's time. Right. But it is. It Whatever is. it takes to get your kid with a book in their hand. And comic books, I totally think, count. Like, there's a great narrative in there. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. So anyway. You've got me on board. <laughs> Good. All right. <laughs> Sold. Uh, you really liked this one, too, The Senator's Children. Yeah, I feel kind of bad because, actually, I think at the top of this episode, I made it sound like some of the books I read in May were good. Actually, almost all of the books it's, I read it's in like May I'm looking, I'm looking at this like, <laughs> almost uh, all of these you really liked. Yeah, I really like uh, The Senator's Children, to me, earns five stars. I think it's going to make my top ten of 2017. Um, it is excellent. Um, I think... It, it would be great if you love political drama, if you like um, if you like dysfunctional families. It's about a senator. 
there's some infidelity. And then he has two daughters, obviously, mm. from two mothers. Mm-hmm. And so as adults, kind of what their lives look like and how his infidelity affected the rest of his life, but also the lives of his children. Um, I've recommended Young Jane Young, yes. which is coming out in August. This reads like a counterpart almost to that, like just the more serious version. Because Young Jane Young kind of approaches things from a comedic point of view. Mm-hmm. And this is not super comedic. Um but it's really well written. It's put out by Tin House, and it'll be out in November, and I can't wait to hand sell it. It's really good. That's going to be super good. Um, the next one's been out for a little while, I yeah. think. Um, it's The Leavers by Lisa Ko. Yes. I recommended this one to you yeah. just because it's a non-incestuous mother-son mother son novel. That's right. <laughs> um, it's got that immigrant story that I feel like is important right now to mm-hmm. read. Um, the first 100 pages, I mean, it was slow. I did not fall in love with this right. book. But once I got through the first 100 pages, um, I really kind of bought into the main character. So it's a young boy and his mother, and you see kind of a glimpse at their relationship in the beginning, and then he comes home from school and his mother's not there. Mm. And she was working in a nail salon, and you later discover something has happened to her and kind of what happened to her. And so there are some dark moments in the book, um, eye-opening moments for those of us who were born and raised here and know nothing else. Like, I think this is an important book to show you uh, what what that life can look like and what what sacrifices are being made to live here. Mm-hmm. Um, this one got a lot of praise. It did get a lot of praise. It's the winner of, I think, the Penn or Bellwether Prize by, um, by Barbara Kingsolver. Right. So if you are a fan of Barbara Kingsolver's, that's kind of why I picked this one up to begin with. Again, give it the first 100 pages, and you may give up on it, I don't know. But for me, the first 100 pages kept me going enough that mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm going to persevere. And then um, you got into and it. And then I got into it. But it does take some time. So um, this would make a great book club book. Excellent. Um, the next one is Windfall by Jennifer Smith. And is this one YA? Young adult, okay. yeah. Uh, I don't read a ton of YA, but if you've been following along with my personal life in the past few weeks, I needed something light. And I have discovered I don't really <clears throat> love anymore that like post-apocalyptic literature like The Hunger Games mm-hmm. or Allegiant, Divergent. I'm not really into that anymore, but I like good romantic comedy. And so I loved Dumplin' by Julie Murphy. If you haven't read that, please read it. Uh, Windfall to me is in that category. Um, it is about a girl who has been in love with her best friend for forever, um, but he obviously doesn't know that. And then for his 18th birthday, she buys him a lottery ticket as a joke. And he wins. Mm. And he wins like $140 million. And then, and he's 18. He's like the youngest lottery winner. Um, Anyway, so you kind of see the effects of that wealth and of that decision, not only on their little kind of romance, but just on their lives as teenagers. And I thought it's well written. I finished it in two sittings. A really great beach book. I saw this one all over the internet. Like several readers who I trust loved this book. And I'm so glad I listened to them because it's not one I would have picked up on my own just because it's YA. Um, But I thoroughly enjoyed it just as a good like romantic comedy light fun book. So please read Windfall. That sounds really good. Yeah, it's really cute. And it's from the same author as Dumplin', right? No, different author. That's Ramona Blue. Oh, Ramona Blue. That's right. Okay, we got them in on the same day. Yes, we did. So I'm hoping to read Ramona Blue. This is... Jennifer Smith has written a lot of other things. Um, I'm so sorry. I can't name them right now, but she's a pretty prolific YA author. This is just her new one, and the cover's really fantastic. Yeah, and the cover's great. Yeah. Um, uh, How about Standard Deviation? Another five-star book that I think might make my best of 2017. Yeah. It is so darkly, wonderfully funny. Um, 
the author, can you help me pronounce her name? So it's Catherine. I can't decide if it's Haney or Heine. If it's Heine, I just feel I'm terrible. sorry. Yeah, I don't want it to be Heine. <laughs> like, so let's say Haney. Um, it's H-E-I-N-Y, for those of you taking notes at home. Um, she wrote this really great short story collection called Single, Single Carefree Mellow, which yeah, I adored. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really well written, and I am so pleased that her debut novel is just as well written. It just came out a couple of weeks ago. It's about a man who's like in his 40s 50s and he is married to his second wife who is young and super extroverted and bubbly and like kind of overwhelming to him sometimes but he clearly loves her they have a young autistic son and then he still has this odd kind of relationship with his very serious his age Mm ex-wife and so it's kind of this again i just love dysfunctional families i don't know why i love them so much um but it's about him navigating kind of midlife And also, you know, does he still have feelings for his ex-wife? Does he still love his current wife, even though she and he are so vastly different? Plus, there's the um, son who, the cover of the book is two origami pieces, and it's because their autistic son loves origami Mm -hmm. and is a member of an origami club. And anyway, so you've got all these really great quirky characters. It is laugh out loud funny to me. Um, Great for, I think, fans of The Nest or Where'd You Go, Bernadette would be my two comp titles. I remember seeing this one in the, like, not yet released behind yes. the counter stack and thinking, hmm, I wonder if that's any good, and I'm really glad to know it that it is. is. It it's sounds so wonderful. so good, and I haven't heard a lot of buzz, so go pick this one up and start the buzz. Start the buzz. <laughs> Hashtag start the buzz. Um, and then this last one, I was we were both excited about when it came out. Well, it hasn't come out. It's an ARC, um, and it doesn't come out until January. I know. We'll make this one fast because we'll just we'll talk about it in January, I hope. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, The Immortalists by Chloe Benjamin. I, I wanted to love this book so much. Right. Um, and it kind of sounds like I might like it more than you yes. did. Yes. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I also, we got in a second ARC, so I still have mine if you want it. But Magalie also took it home because I was like, somebody else read this. And I just might have been in the wrong headspace for sure. it. I love the premise, which is that these four young kids in 1970s Brooklyn, New York, find out that there's this woman who can predict what date you are going to die. And so these four children, like 11 and under, go and visit this woman and find out the date they're going to die. And what is really well done about this book is she takes each child mm-hmm. as they grow up, up until the date of their death. And it shows the deep, and kind of scary impact that that knowledge right. uh, has on them. And so the first chapter is about one of the siblings, and he lives in 1980s San Francisco at the height of the uh, AIDS crisis. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it's dark. Like the first, it's not the light dysfunctional family drama that I might have thought I was getting into. Mm-hmm. So my expectations immediately were changed, but in a good way, because then I knew what kind of to expect from the rest of the book. It was kind of heavy. Yes. Yeah. Um, But I think the premise is there. I I read it in a vacuum, and so I desperately want to know what somebody else thinks. I don't by any means think think it's bad or poorly written. It's completely original. I haven't read anything like it. Um, I actually think Rebecca, who used to work for us, I think she would have loved it, because it's almost got this... um, old-timey circus element to it. Um, You'll see when you read it. I don't want to spoil anything. But I think that is not always my cup of tea or my genre, but I know it is some people's. Mm -hmm. And so I think 
hopes are high for this one, and I don't want to diminish those. Because um, it's already getting a lot of buzz. It's already. And, and it's not going to be out for another eight months. Yeah, it's not out until seven. January. So so this one is entirely, I think, personal taste. Okay. Um, so I can't wait to see what other people think. And yeah, if you I'm read it, curious I about it. Yeah, it, it sounds really good to me. I will probably read it at some point. Yeah, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Uh, did you read anything in May? I did. What did you read? Um, the first thing I read was The Inquisitor's Tale. Oh, that yeah. looks so good. It is so good. Okay, good. Um, by Adam Gidwitz. And like, I really want to talk to somebody who's not a medievalist, uh-huh. like who's not a professional scholar <laughs> of the Middle Ages, about it because it's set in 13th century France in the reign of, of Louis IX, St. Louis. Um, and it's about these three magical children and their holy dog, um, it's Jean who has visions of the future and, um, oh, their names are escaping me. Uh, Jacob, who is just a little Jewish boy from a village that gets burned down. And then I think his name is William. William is a giant, um, half African monk. Okay. Um, but they're all kids. Mm-hmm. And the whole story is told in fragments of different people in a tavern who know different parts of their story and are telling it to each other and to the titular inquisitor oh, who's trying to compile this whole story Okay. Um, for a reason that becomes clear in the last third of the book. Um, it's delightful. Okay. It made me cry every three pages <laughs> because this is a book that is very, very much about um, faith and different faiths and the role that that played, especially in life in the middle ages, but like with very real resonance for the 21st century. Okay. Um, so like this is a book for, for, um, I would say left leaning Christians to read, really think, I think more right leaning Christians may not enjoy it as much as I did. Okay. (laughs) Um, theologically. Okay. Um, but even beyond that, it's just a really good, fun, important story. Is this one... I just... I know, of course, the cover is mm-hmm. really... Um, it makes an impact when you see it. But do you know... Is it technically YA? Oh, it's not even just technically YA. It's very much it's YA. It's very YA. Yeah. Because um, Magali, I think, um, took this one home as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering... Yeah, I think Magali and I both bought it the same day. Yeah. Um, definitely YA. I would say... Children's chapter or children's chapter. Okay. Uh, well, mm, straddling children's chapter and YA. Okay. I would say ten and up. Okay. Maybe twelve and up. Okay. There is one kind of gruesome scene toward the end, but like it's otherwise great. There's a farting dragon. Like it's like <laughs> there's there's silly things for kids, and then also if you're an adult and reading it, there's a lot of meat. Yeah. A lot of oh, that's lot really great. Too. It's super good. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Um, I loved it. The other one I read was an ARC for It Devours. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, the new Welcome to Night Vale novel. Yes. Uh, Joseph Fink and Jeffrey Craner. Um, I read the first one two years ago when it came out. And thought it was great, really delightful. This one's better. Oh, awesome. That's rare. I know. That, like, never happens. Never. Um, the first one, I think I've said this before, but it's it's two different perspectives. These It follows the two characters, and then it's also broken up by, like, the disembodied voice of, like, the Welcome to Night Vale podcast narrator that just kind of happens. And I... Like, it was good, and I liked it, but you really have to be a fan of the podcast to get what's happening. Okay. This one is more standalone. Oh, okay. I bet they it did that on purpose. It really helps if you know some of the characters from the podcast, but you don't need to. Okay. Um, is this out yet? No, it comes out in October. Okay. Um, but it follows a scientist and a and a member of a cult 
um, as they're kind of weirdly falling in love. Oh, cool. Um, so it is a real meditation on faith and science that was had a lot more heart than I expected it to. Uh, so this is maybe just where my head's at. I was about to say, you're reading a lot, and I see a theme. I see a theme. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And let's see. I mean, it is like absurdist horror comedy. But then it's also just sometimes so beautiful <laughs> in the way that it's written. Oh, that's wonderful. These alternating lines of like really funny nihilistic joke and then turn that on its head into this like really meaningful, beautiful prose thinking about existence. That's what I love about books. Yep. They can, I feel like they can just go so, so deep, but they give you an entry point. It can do it all. Yeah. Um, and those guys who wrote it are just so smart and mm-hmm. so good at what they do. And I'm really glad that this one is as good as it is. Yeah. Because how often are follow-up novels uh, good at all? Rarely. <laughs> um, so that's high praise. I would say better. Awesome. At least, at least less fragmented. Okay. Um, more cohesive. The third thing that I'm not quite through is Born, B-O-R-N-E, by Jeff Vandermeer. We have him in the store next week already. Yeah, next Saturday. Um, so I started that. I like it a lot so far. I just, once I got the Night Vale ARC, I prioritized that. <laughs> yes, that's um, fair. But actually, like, kind of similar. Uh, kind of horrifying and also beautiful. Jeff Vandermeer wrote the Southern Reach trilogy, which is Annihilation and Authority and Acceptance. Mm-hmm. Um which are, like, light horror, I would say, um, which is not my genre, not something I typically read, but sci-fi horror is is popular in some spheres, yeah. some circles, and we have him in the store, and I loved his other book books, so I give this one a shot. I'm going to keep reading it, okay. but I like it a lot so far. Hard awesome. to talk about. Yeah. It's, like, post-apocalyptic, and there's a giant bear, and there's, like, a sentient plant that they find on the bear... And there's, they're, they're thieves. <laughs> I'm only 50 pages in, so it's okay, hard to say. Okay, I'll be interested to see how it comes together. Yeah, I'm really curious, but I, I do like, especially the way that it's written so mm-hmm. far. Um, his, oh, prose he's is, really his prose is gorgeous. Um, if you're listening and you are interested in Born and you want a signed copy, hit us up. We're going to have him. He will be at the bookshelf on June 10th from yeah. 2 to 4. Yeah, so if you're out of town but you want a signed copy, it's a beautiful, it's, it's a, a gorgeous, gorgeous book. book. <laughs> I took the dust jacket off because I hate dust jackets, yeah. and the like actual cover of the book is even better than the dust jacket. Oh, are you serious? Because I think the dust jacket is beautiful. The dust jacket is beautiful. It's this like weird-looking bird of paradise yeah. thing. Um, but let me show you the cover when we're done. It's okay. super great. Okay, so yeah, if you're a long-distance listener, uh, let and us you're, know. And you're looking for maybe a trip down to Thomasville? Yeah. Or if you just want us to save you a signed copy. Yeah, save, yeah we can ship it to you. We can ship it to you. Uh, let us know. We read a lot. We did. It's a long month, so we should have known. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, if you listeners have any opinions on the books that we talked about today we would love to hear from you you can find full episodes of from the front porch on itunes or on our store website that's www.bookshelfthomasville.com where you also can buy some of these books um, and support an independently owned bookstore and i've been gone for the past several weeks but i hope you've been following the bookshelf on social media at bookshelf tville to see what's been going on in the store um we do some fun things and we have some great events and we love sharing that with you and we love to hear what you think. So find us on social media 
Instagram and Twitter, or if you've got questions about the podcast or recommendations or anything you want to tell me or Annie, please email me at inventory at bookshelfthomasville.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you guys next week.